at Connect. He works with Africa Inland Mission. He's part of our morning services, and he is a fantastic man of the Lord, filled with the Spirit, and we're really excited for him to just be sharing the word of that God has placed in his heart this evening. So, Jacob, thank you so much for being here. So, why don't you pray for him, and then uh, it's over to you, Jacob. Yes, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for what you've put on Jacob's heart um, to share tonight. And we really just pray that he would be so obedient and sensitive to the Spirit that he is able to bring in his preparation combined with your Holy Spirit leading to really bring a message that is directly for us tonight. And I really just pray that he wouldn't just speak, but that our spirits would receive it in the Spirit as well tonight. So would you help us to open our ears and our hearts to hear what it is that is on your heart for us. In your name, amen. Wonderful. I, I thought maybe there's going to be more singing. I got ready for more singing, and now I've just been thrown with the mic in my hands. You've got to sing, you know. I think we need to just worship the Lord a little bit more, and uh, maybe I can make it part of my sermon preaching time, if you don't mind that. I, I just feel we should just sing, How Great Is God. We can just say, How great is our God. Sing with me, How Great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God, how great is our God, how great is our God, sing with me how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Is the name above all names, is the name above all names, worthy of our praise, he is worthy of our my heart will sing, and my heart will sing, how great is our God, how great is your God, how great is my God, sing with me, how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Father, we proclaim your greatness tonight. We proclaim your greatness over our lives. We proclaim your greatness over this nation. We proclaim your greatness over this church. We proclaim your greatness over this gathering tonight. We just proclaim that you are great and mighty. And we plead and pray that you will manifest your greatness in our lives. You'll manifest your greatness through our circumstances, through our situation. Lord, we just call for the mightiness of who you are to show itself in our lives. That you'll be glorified in all things, even tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. Wonderful. Really a joy to be here together with everyone and spend time together in God's Word. Um, and there are two things on my heart today, just to, first of all, mention very briefly in passing the ministry that we are working under in this country. Uh, 
obviously we're part of Connect Church and we feel nothing but love. We just have been loved in this church and we really are really, really glad to be part of this church community. But in terms of ministry uh, uh, belonging, we work with Africa Inland Mission, um, which is a mission organization started by Peter Cameron Scott and seven others in 1895. That date is before I was born, <laughs> very clearly. Wasn't born at that time. Uh, and they, they, they set out, young people, very young people, uh, set out to just take the gospel to the unreached. And they, they, they did that. And maybe I need to tell you that most of them didn't survive one year after that. Um, and they just kept going. And 2019, there are about a thousand missionaries in over 20 nations taking the gospel to the unreached. Uh, so in terms of uh, ministry, belonging, that's where we serve. And uh, in South Africa, the vision in the office here coming out of South Africa is to inform the church, to train and equip, which is particularly where my role comes in, uh, whether to equip in mission, to equip in theology, to equip through the Kairos missions course or a purpose and business course. Uh, one of my other colleagues leads that. Uh, so we just are available to train individuals and churches. And as an organization, we're willing to partner with the church to send. We, we're not the one doing mission. The church is the one doing mission. And as an organization, we partner with the church to send to the unreached. We're very unreached people driven as an organization. We seek to send people to a place where there is no gospel. Um, so we try to do that. Okay, let me flip through this very quickly. Um, one of the pathways is two to, three week, two to three months in a very rural setting or two to three, two weeks to two months in an urban setting or one to two years, which is really a tough boot camp that involves learning and doing at the same time. Um, briefly, that's one of the ways that people can engage and move forward. And then here is my twin brother, because he, he looks so much like me. <laughs> yeah, that's me and my wife, Juliet. Uh, <laughs> And we particularly involved with AIM. I'm involved in mobilizing for mission through theological education and training. I run Kairos courses. I run, I, I teach theological course, missions course at New Testament at the Bible Institute and at the Cape Town Baptist Seminary, volunteering as a missionary. And my wife uh, is involved in mobilizing prayer and intercession. You will find her every week in Masipu Mulele getting people to pray and then sharing the gospel with people. She also is qualified to uh, equip people with the Kairos missions course. Um, so that's what we do. Uh, there's a slide that just wouldn't let me go. So I just put it in there. I'm not going to preach from it. It's not my sermon, but it's just strong on my heart to say, you know, when you talk about mission, people begin to wonder, where do I fit in? Well, I believe that some are called to go. Oh, is there? Uh, to the unreached of the nations, and then some are called to stay because we need people here to evangelize, to disciple, and to send and support those that are going. For every one person that will function as a missionary, 
There's going to be an army of people around that one person. And that army of people are the ones that are supporting that person, praying for that person, giving towards that person's ministry. And so when, when we talk about missions and sending, it's not to say everybody must now, we must close the doors of this church and all go to the enrich. That's not the point. The point is that there are some that are called to stay, but when they stay, they are responsible for evangelizing locally, for disciple-making locally, and for sending and supporting those that are going. And of course, everyone is called to pray. And having said that, let us run. Let us run to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is where the Lord placed on my heart to share with you today. And in my time of prayer, the singular thing I asked the Lord, and I'm still asking, is that at the end of this time together that you will draw encouragement from God's Word. That God's Word will minister encouragement to you in a supernatural way, in a strong way in a powerful way, and it will not be my words, but that God's word will really, really encourage you. With all that's happening, with the crime statistics, with the rape crisis, with, with crime generally, with things that are happening in the nation, with things that are happening with some people in ministry, with things that are happening in individual lives that we may not even know anything of, that God will bring to mind his word as the powerful tool he has placed to encourage us to keep running. And so we go to the book of Hebrews and hear what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, in encouraging God's people to keep running, to keep running. So two things that I'd like to say very quickly by way of introducing Hebrews 12. The first thing is to say to us, um, okay, okay, before I even get there, maybe let's read it together. Let's read. You can just open your Bible, open your phone. Let's read it, and then I'll tell you two things very quickly about the book of Hebrews, and then we can move on from there. Hebrews 12, it says in verse 1, from verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Lord, this is your word, and we just pray that you will speak to us out of it. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So two things, two things that I'd like to bring to your notice very quickly, that, the, that, um, that we get to understand when we approach the book of Hebrews. The author was writing to Christians that were facing weariness, that we're facing tiredness. Face, uh, weariness was a reality. Tiredness was reality. They were, they, were, they were at a point of wondering, is it worth going forward with this? Is it worth really staying on course? It's like there were so many things that were happening, and 
all of those things were coming up at Christians. So he was not even writing to people that didn't know the Lord. He was writing to people that knew the Lord. He was writing to people that had a relationship with God, and yet there was a hint of possibility of turning back or turning away. And he saw that. And Hebrews 10, verse 32 to 35, gives us an idea of possibility of the kind of things that was happening to the church uh, at that time. There was persecution, there was suffering, there was slander, there was all kinds of things. The culture was against them. There were so many things that were happening against them. And there was real possibility of just saying, I've had enough. There was every possibility of saying, this is too much. I can't do this anymore. I, I think I need to just, just stop. And that was a real possibility. Tiredness was setting in. And maybe some of them, there was some life situation around. And some of them, there was some persistent suffering. Some of them, there was some difficulty. Maybe some personal failure that was just recurring. There were a number of things that were happening. And they were in a place of becoming tired. And he wrote to encourage them and tell them to keep going. Keep going. And the other thing is that he now uses the metaphor of a race. And for some of us that know about the Comrades Marathon, that's quite insane. People run for 90 kilometers. I, I don't do that. I, <laughs> I don't have a vision of ever doing that. I've got a friend that does that, and it's unbelievable. He doesn't even look it. You know, Rismati just runs Comrade every year. I said to him, I said, why do you do this? <laughs> I, I, and, you know, when you ask him, what is it about? He said, you know, there's lots of training, there's lots of preparation, there's a lot of... The nearest thing, the nearest thing to me, to Comrades Marathon, was when my wife finally convinced me that it's not a sin to go to the gym, all right? And I agreed, and then I got on the treadmill some years ago. And after five minutes, it felt like my heart was about to be ripped out of me. It was hard. Why do people torture themselves like that? But eventually, you know, it got to 10 minutes, got to 15. The first day I hit 30 minutes, not, not one kilometer, 30 minutes. It's like heaven has come down, you know, like, woo. And when the author of Hebrews talks about marathon, I think the closest thing that comes to our mind for us that live in South Africa is that 90 kilometer of grit and difficulty and just everything thrown at you as you run. And he says to them, let us keep running. Let's keep running. Let's keep running. So in the midst of this two background, let's just draw encouragement from verse 1, verse 2, and verse 3 in touch with my Baptist tradition and roots. It's going to be three points, and that's it, and then we'll pray, and then we'll go. Right? So let's go to verse 1 and see what, what is the author saying in verse 1. He says to them that, therefore, therefore, do you remember when we read verse 1? I think I need to open up. Hebrews 12 here very quickly. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 
Considering the fact that we've got witnesses, who are those witnesses in in, verse, in chapter 11, do you remember? He listed a number of people and said, because we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us also be encouraged and keep running. This is what I want you to see, that there are witnesses that bear testimony to God's faithfulness. Whether it is in the time of joy, what is in the time of pain? What is in the time of struggle with sin or struggle with the sinful world? The author of Hebrews says, when you look at chapter 11, you can see people that kept running in spite of their struggle, in spite of their joy, in spite of their pain, in spite of their struggle with the sinful world and their human sinfulness. There are people that can testify to us that God is faithful. And so, this is where I differ with a number of commentators. You know, when I read that passage, what I see is this is more than their faith. They all worked with God in faith, but for them to get to the finish line required God's covenant faithfulness. They all journeyed with God in faith, but for them to get to that point of finishing required the faithfulness of God. Taking hold of them at the point at which their own faith was failing, at the point at which their own trust was running out, at the point at which they would have thought, I can't go on any longer. What carried them from that point of weariness and tiredness and giving up is the faithfulness of God. And I'd like us to remember that today, that we serve and belong to a God that is faithful. And when we say God is faithful, let's be encouraged in that fact, not just by saying it, but by knowing it. Knowing it because when we look at the life of Samson, we can say that God is faithful. Knowing it because when we look at the life of Rahab, the Bible calls her Rahab the harlot. Do you see that? That when we look at a life like that, we can testify that God is able to carry to the very end. When we read Hebrews 11, we shall be reminded that God is faithful. Let's be encouraged. Let's be encouraged that he is faithful beyond our faith. Faithfulness is who he is. And because of that, he says, throw away every hindrance and sinful entanglement and just keep running your race. Keep running your race. The sin of unbelief and turning away from Christ was a real possibility. It was a dangerous possibility. And the author said, don't do it. Don't do it. Just keep running. Just keep running. Don't do it. People might be doing it. People might be saying today that I renounce Christ. People might turn around for some circumstances and for some reason they might turn away and say, you know, I used to preach to you about Christ. Now I don't even believe in Christ. Even if people say that, you don't do that. You throw away every weight and hindrance and keep running. 
And we see the author of Hebrews bringing that encouragement in verse 1. Okay, when we move to verse 2, he says to them, looking up to Jesus. Looking up to Jesus. So in his encouragement for them to keep running, he brings up this Jesus and says, you look up to Jesus, you stay focused, and if you do that, you're going to finish your race. Now, this is where this race differs with the comrade marathon. For comrade marathon, you don't run looking up. Do you do that? No, you don't do that. You don't run the comrades looking up. That would be strange. You're going to just fall and falter and fall away. It, it, when you run the comrade marathon, you can afford to take some cheer from friends, you know, by the side. You know, you can, you can afford to look around a little bit and, you know, but you just keep going. But in this race, the author of Hebrews says you run this race looking up. You don't even run this race looking at this person that's in front of you, you run this race because up is where you shall be looking. So look at Jesus. Why? Because he's the author and the finisher. He's the authority. He's the one that authorizes. There's a sense in which in this race, Jesus is the one that calls the shot. He's the one that defines the rules for the game. He's the one that tells how it should be run. So you've got to keep him as the center of your attention as you run the race. Do you draw encouragement from others? Yeah, that's fine. But do you draw your standards from those people outside of Jesus? No. The author of Hebrews says, if you're going to run this race to the end, the only person that authorizes how the race should be run, what is right and what is wrong, is not your culture, it's not your friends, it's not your community, it's not even the nation that you belong to, it's Jesus. And that's why he says you must look unto Jesus. Because he's the author of the race, he's the pioneer of the race, and he's the perfecter. He is the end goal of the race. So he is not just the author of the race. He's also the goal of the race. He's the one that's on the other side and waiting for you to get to where he is. And he's up. And he says, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus as the standard example of what the race means and how it should be run. Look to Jesus because he endured the cross to the end. And he completed the race. In other words, he's the only perfect example of how to finish this race. If you keep looking to him, you will not be too discouraged at others that falter and fall off the race. Because he never faltered. He never fell off. He ran to the very end. Therefore, he can be lifted by the author of Hebrews as the perfect standard for running the race. Don't be too discouraged too much if someone that's running ahead of you that you admire so much, that you so hold in high esteem, that is maybe the one that won the comrade marathon last year and is running in front of you. And all of a sudden, he just stops running and just said, this is not worth it, and turns around. Well, the author of Hebrews says, when that happens, quickly remind yourself that that person that won the Comrade Marathon is actually not the author. It's not the end goal. He's not the perfect example. Jesus is. And just keep running. Keep looking to Jesus 
as the prophet example and keep learning. When you do that, you don't allow human failure to discourage you in this race. You don't allow that. Because every human is not the perfect standard for the race. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. So look up and not around. Focus on Jesus as a perfect example to complete your race. Paul makes that statement in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He said, I've run the race. I've finished the course. I've fortified. I've finished my race. He makes those kind of statements because he focused on Jesus. Jesus was the perfect example that he looked at when he was running his race. And so the author of Hebrews points us to Christ and says, Jesus is the perfect example when we want to run to the finish line. In verse 3, the author of Hebrews says again, consider Christ. How does he say? Looking for verse 3 in my Bible. Who took it away? I found it. Say, consider him who endured. Consider Christ. So after lifting up Christ as the perfect example and the end goal of running this race, he says again, consider Christ who endured the cross. In other words, he says, endure in this race and look forward to the finish line. Keep running in spite of the pain. Keep running in spite of the contradictions that you might. Because when he says consider Christ, verse 2 helps us to remember that consider Christ on the cross. The author of Hebrews says consider Christ on that cross as your perfect picture of enduring pain of enduring the contradictions of men, of enduring whatever was thrown at him, consider Christ because there is no pain that can be greater than pain of the cross. There is no contradiction you will ever encounter in your life that will be more greater than the contradiction that Christ endured when he hung on that cross. Consider Christ and do not grow. And he says to them, consider Christ and do not lose heart. You know, the cross of Christ is more than just a good example. When the author of Hebrews points them to the cross of Christ, it was more than just the example he talked about in verse 2. When he said, consider Christ, the author of Hebrews was confident that if they will consider Christ, they will see that the cross of Christ is God's victory over sin, is God's victory over death, is God's victory over pain, is God's sign of victory over everything that you will ever encounter in this life. There is victory because of the cross. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, took him from that cross, made him alive. The spirit of the living God that was at work when Jesus was on that cross that is at work in raising him from the dead. That same spirit is with us today. And the author of Hebrews says, when you see the cross, remember that. 
When you see the cross, remember that the power of the Spirit can enable you to endure. The power of the Spirit can enable you not to grow weary. The power of the Spirit that made Christ not to lose heart can enable you not to lose heart. So he says to them, consider Christ. Look to Christ. Look to the cross. Draw your strength to run to the finish line. Because at the cross is the final victory. Amen? So the author of Hebrews uses these three verses and more to tell these Hebrew Christians, say, you keep going. Look back and be confident in the faithfulness of God. Look up and be confident in Christ's perfect example. Look to the cross as God's final victory. That is going to be your experience as well as you trust him. And so let's draw this to a close and then we can pray. How do we draw this to a close? First thing again, he says, look back to the witnesses in Hebrews 11 and be encouraged that God is faithful no matter what. And you need to convince yourself about that out of God's word. You need to be clear in your mind about that. You need to be in a place where that is a settled fact that your experiences does not shift and change God's faithfulness. That he remains faithful. Look up to Jesus and endure through the power of the Spirit to finish your race. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. No matter the disappointment that may come your way, no matter the failure that you may encounter, just keep your eyes on Jesus. And number three, consider Christ and look forward to the final victory of the cross. This is how the author of Hebrews encourages us tonight. And this is what I bring to you tonight. And I really pray that out of this, thank you, that out of this, that you will draw encouragement from God's word. Now, as I stop here, I'm very aware that we might have two sets of people here tonight. One set of people are very young and vibrant, and there is no idea of what it means to be weary. That's great. It's a great place to be. It's a great place to be that you are in such a place where you're such full of life, you're such full of energy, you're just running. And I was in that place at one point in my life, even before I got married, I was really crazy. Whatever it is that the Lord wanted me to do, I just get running before he finished talking. And I was so full of energy and just, just excitement and running and doing things for God. And that's a wonderful place to be. But can I advise and encourage you that growing up happens, life happens, and when that happens to you, that encouragement is needed or some weariness is setting in, will you draw your encouragement from God's Word? Will you remember the author of Hebrews when that day come that you are now beginning to make sense of what it is to be weary? what it is to be tired, what it is to lose heart. There are teenagers in our society that commit suicide. I believe if they draw in the encouragement from God's word, that will not be the case. There are teenagers that are in a deep hole in our society tonight. I believe if they draw in the encouragement from God's word and his covenant faithfulness, it will be such an encouragement for them to just move forward with Christ. And if you do ever get to that point as a young person that your world begins to have 
vocabularies like tiredness, like weariness, like losing heart, like giving up, like quitting, like turning back, like turning away from Christ. If you ever come to a point like that in your life as a young person, can I tell you to consider Christ? Consider Christ. Consider Christ. And the other side of the coin is maybe you're here tonight and tiredness is not foreign to you. Losing heart is maybe a place where you almost are. For some reason, maybe for some life situations, for some life difficulty, maybe some persistent suffering, maybe the economic situation in the country, maybe the, 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 maybe the crime statistics is making people to despair. Maybe you're one of those that are checking out what does it cost to immigrate. And not that there's anything bad and wrong in doing that, but that it's out of a heart that is losing focus on Christ and thinking I need to just get away somewhere that I have no Pastor John to look after me and then I don't have to belong to the church. I just need to turn away and go away. If you're in that spot, consider Christ. Consider Christ. Consider Christ. And so wherever you are tonight, I place before you the author of Hebrews, God's word in Hebrews 12, that you just remember God is faithful. Remember, Christ is perfect. Remember, victory is at the cross. I want to ask, Pastor John, do you want to pray for God's people tonight? Just ask them, ask the Lord to just minister supernatural encouragement. And just do what he wants to do tonight in God's people's lives. Thanks. Let's just pray. I think the important thing as we pray tonight is, what is the Lord saying to you? What's the Lord's putting on your heart? How's He been ministering to you tonight? Because His Word is truth. His Word brings freedom. His Word is encouraging. His Word breaks bondages. His Word lifts up. His Word encourages. Even the, the writer of Hebrews says the Word of God is alive and it's active. That means when God speaks, He's doing something in people's hearts. And for some of you tonight, the Word is stirring up your faith. You, you, you're just discovering that as I listen to the Word being spoken and preached, just faith begins to rise in me. For, uh, for other people, you, you find as, you, as you're hearing the Word, just there's a freedom that starts to come. As you hear the word that you start, you start to find a God calling you. Calling you to himself. Calling you to look to him. And the wonderful thing that we've heard tonight is God is faithful. And we need to know that. Because there's nothing else in the world you're going to find faithful like God. One who honors his promise, honors his word. Stays close to you will never leave you, never forsake you. Who's always working all things together for the good of them who love him 
and are called according to his purposes. And so, God, we just come to receive from you. We've asked you, we prayed this evening that you'll minister to us. We pray, Lord, that our hearts will be stirred. We pray that our lives will be changed by you. And God, I can't do that. Not no man can do that. But we know the Spirit of the Lord can do that. And so, Lord, this evening I call out in people faith. May faith arise here tonight. Lord, may, may weariness and discouragement be broken and people find life and strength in the Lord, in Jesus. Father, may we be encouraged that we see the way Jesus endured. Jesus faced the cross. Jesus never threw in the towel. That brilliant example of somebody who would, who would trust you all the way right through to a resurrection. So Lord, we praise you. We praise you for your ministry. We praise you for the word. We praise you for your spirit here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.